Luck pulling the trigger and weapons all over the field, the young Broncos could be the highest riser in both real-world and fantasy football circles. Welcome into another episode of Fantasy Football in 15 here at The Athletic. I am your host, Michael Beller. We are marching right on through our State of the Team series. We're actually into the second half of this State of the Team series. 17 teams down, 15 teams to go. Today, we talk about the Denver Broncos, and to do that, we bring on our Broncos beat writer, Nikki Jabvala. Nikki, thanks for joining me today. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. This is uh, an exciting team. This is a really fun team to talk about in the fantasy football world. There's a lot of excitement surrounding the Broncos, uh, uh, more than a little bit of expectation, which is maybe a surprise when you look back at what this team has done over the last couple of seasons, especially on the offensive side of the ball. But you make a couple of moves, a couple of moves that people think are the right moves, and that's how quickly things can turn in the NFL. Before we get to any of the players, however, I want to talk about one of the moves On the sidelines, the team bringing in Pat Shermer to be the new offensive coordinator after a couple of years as the head coach with the Giants. Uh, What can we expect to see from the Shermer offense this season? Well, I think the biggest reason they brought him in was to really capitalize on the strengths of Drew Locke. Um, you know, this was a quarterback that Pat Shermer, Mike Shula had had scouted pretty heavily ahead of the um, ahead of the 2019 draft. So they knew him and what he could do. They were pretty familiar with him. Um, but last year in, you know, the lone year of Rich Gangarello's offense, um, the the group as a whole really struggled to launch. And, you know, they had three different quarterbacks ending, of course, with Drew Locke. So that factored in. But what they really wanted to see and what was evident throughout last season was um, they wanted an offense that would, you know, essentially be taking more risks. They wanted a more aggressive offense um, where they could use Drew Locke's big arm. They could capitalize on having a receiver like Cortland Sutton and now Jerry Judy and K.J. Hamler um, and take more deep shots down the field. Um, In the AFC West, in the league as a whole, but especially in the AFC West, if you're going to make it at all, you have to get past the Kansas City Chiefs. And not that they're chasing the Chiefs necessarily, but they got to put points on the board. And the Broncos have really struggled to do that in the last few seasons, really since um, 2014. I mean, even Peyton's last season was not great offensively. Um, so that's, that's really their goal there. And they believe that hiring Pat Shermer, a more experienced play caller, um, who has a history of adapting his system to his personnel with, you know, Minnesota obviously being the prime example, um, could do that with Drew Locke and the group they've, they've formed this offseason. All right, there's good reason for optimism with this team when you look at all the pieces. But right now, as you and I are sitting here talking about them, what, about 10 weeks or so before week one, all that optimism is still just a theory. And to make it something that is real, it needs to be done on the right arm of Drew Locke. What are the expectations for Locke this season? How much of a step, how big a step do this, does this team think he can take? I think they believe he can take a huge step up, which is why they are willing to invest in him to the degree that they did. I mean, when you think about it, in in John Elway's um, decade of being their head of football operations, he's invested truly in only two quarterbacks, one Peyton Manning and now Drew Locke. They've had, what, six others in between there, but he never really 
poured as much into the offense as they did this offseason by, you know, hiring a guy like Mike Munchak to really revamp the offensive line and then, you know, spending to get guys like Graham Glasgow and drafting Dalton Reisner and uh, signing Dron James last year. And um, they didn't bring on the receiver. They already had Emmanuel Sanders and Demarius Thomas, and they didn't need to add a ton to that group. But now with those two gone, they really have – you know, really exciting receiving core. You know, they have a running backs room that now features two pro bowlers and that tight ends group finally looks like it has potential to really have an impact. Whereas over the last, you know, really the last six, seven years, you know, they've struggled to stay healthy, let alone um, really have some production on offense. So um, I, I think the expectation is incredibly high and it puts a lot of pressure on Drew Locke, though he says he, thrives under pressure this is what he wants too um but it really shows that Elway and the rest of the Broncos really feel that he can be the guy moving forward um they don't have many options if he's not at this point um so you know this is I think it's good signs but given the circumstances you know it's it's going to be interesting it's definitely tough for him and the rest of the offense. I mean, being young and mostly new and in another new system um, to really get up to speed quickly while having limited on-field time, almost no time with their coaches, um, and maybe a training camp. But I don't know what that training camp would look like if it does start. Yeah, It's been a theme of our shows here pretty much every time we – talk about a team that's got a new coach a new quarterback especially a new coordinator it ends up being something that has to come up and all these teams with those uh, with those challenges are, are facing a similar set of circumstances that the Broncos are it'll definitely be interesting to see this team once it is able to get on the field and one of the reasons it is so interesting is that running backs room you mentioned a couple of pro bowlers didn't seem to be a need the running back position in the offseason after what Philip Lindsay has given the team over the last two years but they go out they make a big move they get Melvin Gore and uh, these are two guys who have become very well known in the football world, in the fantasy football world, over their respective NFL careers. What can we expect the breakdown of duties to be between these two backs? That's a good question. I'm not sure even they know. Um, I mean, when you look at um, when you look at Pat Shermer's history, he's relied primarily on one back in his system. That's and that's why they signed Melvin Gordon to the deal that they did. Is they you know, in part viewed him as that bell cow back, um, where he's taking the majority of the carries and is heavily involved in, um, the passing game. But then again, I mean, Shermer has never had a roster like this where he's had two pro bowl backs. So you would think it would make sense to not waste the two, right? Um, so while they're paying Melvin Gordon substantially more than, uh, Philip Lindsay, um, Lindsay has really proved himself and he is a fan favorite. And I think they, you know, while you don't want to listen to fans on roster decisions, I think that is in the back of their mind that, you know, this kid is a huge selling point for our team. Um, so yeah, how it will look, we're not sure yet. Um, you know, I, I think that's one of the biggest storylines for this team going into training camp is how will they divvy up, um, the reps at running back, but also how will they spread the wealth among all their weapons on offense? Um, you know, you got three good receivers. You got some depth there too. The backs, you got some really interesting tight ends with Noah Fant, their former first rounder and Michael, um, 
Um, Albert O. I, I'm not going to even try to pronounce his last name. Um, but he's the kid that w- played with Drew Locke at Missouri. So there's a connection already built in there. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that's that's going to be kind of a wait and see thing till we get them on the field because, you know, I, I think Shermer would adapt to having both. It's just how. Yeah, and I, I mean, it's a, it's a luxury for the Broncos. It's going to be something I think that plays – to their strengths uh, this season and plays to their benefit, but going to be a headache to figure out in the fantasy world all year long. Let's talk about those wide receivers, and let's start with the big guy, Cortland Sutton. A great year last year. With all those weapons that you mentioned, it feels as though that he might have trouble reaching these sort of target numbers that we see from a typical number one wide receiver. How should we expect this team to treat him going into the season? Are they going to you know, prioritize him in terms of getting him a ton of targets, or is he going to have to share the wealth more than a standard number one receiver would typically be asked to? Well, I, I think if you look at the Broncos' history, their so-called number ones have benefited greatly from having – you know, a 1B to their 1A or, you know, a a close number two. I mean, you look at what Rod Smith, their all-time leading receiver, did and the years he had when he had Ed McCaffrey by his side or um, the five years that Demarius Thomas had with Emmanuel Sanders. I mean, both benefited from that. Um, You know, I'm I'm curious to see how they use K.J. Hamler and how much he'll be a part of the offense, you know, especially in this year but also moving forward. But I, I think it's only helpful to Cortland to have that number two. I mean, it was getting to the point, even in the five games he was out there with Drew Locke, that he was already getting doubled. So his 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 touches could be limited in that regard, too, if he's the only playmaker they have out there in the passing game. So I, I think it helps him, really. Yeah, you may be getting fewer targets, but in the end, you may end up with better numbers um just looking at you know how it's helped other receivers in the past and this is one thing that a lot of former broncos have told him i mean demarius thomas talked to him about this before the draft thinking you know the broncos are really going to try to improve that position rod smith has said the same thing um i mean these guys have had some of their best years when they've had another solid receiver by their side Definitely hurts or helps to take the attention away at least a little bit. It'll definitely help to have improved quarterback play across the whole season. Remarkable that Sutton put up 72 grabs, 1,112 yards, and six touchdowns with the quarterback play that he had in Denver last year. The team wasted no time in getting him that help in the draft using a first-round pick on Jerry Judy, the second receiver off the board in the draft. Of course, Judy's uh, teammate, college teammate at Alabama, Henry Ruggs, ends up going into the same division in the AFC West to the Raiders, but it was Judy who ends up going to Denver. How should we expect the team to use him in his rookie year? Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, he certainly seems like one of those players who could pick up a new offense pretty quickly, looking at you know what he did at Alabama and how heavily he was used and how productive he was. Um, I, I think the biggest question for him this year is, you know, mainly this offseason um, and the Broncos history and generally throughout the league, first year pass catchers, um, it can be somewhat of a struggle just to adapt to, you know, the, the faster pace, the bigger guys, the just the better overall competition. I mean, you're not the guy on the field every time you step out there. I mean, everybody's the guy really at this level. Um and not having that face-to-face time with teammates and, and coaches and 
Um, you know, how quickly will he learn the playbook and the new system? I think he'll be fine. I think he'll have an immediate impact. Um, and I would expect it to only go up, you know, with each season. But you compare Cortland Sutton's year one to his year two, and they're very different. Now, granted, he was behind Demarius Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders, but, um, you know, it does take some time for them to really adapt to the new system. Um, with him coming in so polished, though, just in terms of his route running, his speed, I mean, he can do things that, you know, even seasoned veterans can't do out there. Um, so at this point, it's it's it's, it's tough given the circumstances of the offseason. But, you know, again, guys have done it before. I mean, you look at 2011 when there was a lockout. Um, so I... I think he could have a significant impact in year one. And I, I don't think he'll have much trouble getting up to speed. Um, how they use him will be interesting. I mean, I would expect him and Cortland Sutton to kind of be, you know, two number ones in, in terms of how they use him, how they target him, that type of thing. And then K.J. Hamler, you know, maybe used in the slot, maybe out wide. I mean, I know Pat Schirmer loves going three wide quite a bit. Um so he should be heavily involved, and if he is, then he's probably not going to be involved in the return game. I don't think he should be anyway. Just the risk of injury just seems too great for a second-round pick, but we'll see. Yeah, let's follow right up there on K.J. Hamler's team. Already used that first-round pick on Jerry Judy. They follow it right up in the second round by going back to the wide receiver well and taking K.J. Hamler, another guy who there's a lot of good reason to be excited about. But in the fantasy world, you know, volume is king. And we got to follow the targets. And when you've got Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, a couple of backs in Melvin Gordon and Philip Lindsay, and then Noah Fant, who we haven't even gotten to yet, it feels like there can't be that many targets to go around for KJ Hamler. Again, same question. What's the uh, expectation, the realistic expectation for his role in this offense in year one? I think in year one, he'll probably use be used the least of the three. And talking about Sutton, Jerry Judy, and him, um, and probably the least of the four, but, you know, with his speed, his shiftiness, um, there's always, you always have to factor in the chance that he could really elevate himself to becoming more of an impact player. And immediately, um, you know, I, I, to me, he's the most similar player to Emmanuel Sanders in that, you know, he is a polished route runner. He is incredibly, um, shifty. I mean, I, he can juke guys almost as well as Judy. Um, and that speed, I mean, that speed is something they've, they really haven't had to that level. Um, in a long time. I mean, Emmanuel Sanders was a fast dude. I don't know that he was that fast. Um, but his ability to get open because of that speed could really open up things in the offense and, you know, for him. So, um, I think they're just honestly, and I hate to say this because no, fantasy player wants to hear the uncertainty right they want to know how you know how's my guy gonna do but I think given the youth and the newness of this offense as a whole that almost anything is possible this year and that's you know exciting as a fan but um you know I it's just so hard to say how they're going to use these guys and how a player will perform in year one or, you know, be it as a rookie or a year one in this system. Um, because when you look at their projected starting lineup, I mean, it's, it's all new almost, you know? Um, so I, I, at this point, I think it's fair to say that he is a good a chance as any of them to really have, um, 
you know, really productive year one. It, it's a matter of how they use him and how quickly he gets up to speed. It's largely all new and it is largely all young. One guy who checks one of those boxes, not the other, is the tight end, Noah Fant. A solid rookie year in not the greatest offensive circumstances. Uh, 66 targets, caught 40 of them for 562 yards and three touchdowns. That big play athleticism he showed at Iowa was on display again in his rookie year. This is a guy that we are excited about too and got to believe that there are big plans to get him more involved in the offense this year. Yeah, I mean, he really came on late last season. I think people underestimate the adjustments for Titans, especially, um, you know, and especially in that offense that they had last year. I mean, the the Titans were really asked to do quite a bit, and it was quite different from what he did at Iowa. Um, But with his speed, his athleticism, his size, I mean, he he is what they have been looking for for years in that, you know, red zone threat. Um, and he really started to show it late, and I think he really only scratched the surface of what he's able to do. Now you throw in another big tight end with as much speed as you know Albert O, and I think they have a really interesting group. I think it's another another one of those where you, you question how much will they be used, and, and will the what will the connection be? I mean, he had five. Five games with Drew Locke. Um, Drew Locke has, I guess, technically had more time with Albert O, though it was at in a very different setting, obviously. A Missouri, different offense, different competition, that type of thing. So I don't know that it'll pick up where he left off, but he's obviously got that experience and that trust level with him there. Um, but I, w- I would expect Fant to have a pretty significant year. I think going into year two for you know a guy like that as a first-round pick, you know, the expectation should always be that. Um, but given how he finished the season, you know, what he did in the second half of the year, uh, I think it really showed a glimpse of what he can be. And I, you know, like Drew Locke, I think he was another reason they, they hired Shermer to take advantage of guys like that um, and really get more of those big plays like he had. Um, so I, I, I think he could be one of the real benefactors of, of this new offense and all the changes they made this offseason. There aren't very many teams in the league that could have big, meaningful fantasy contributors at all four of the positions, and hey, maybe not a bad defense either. That's the Denver Broncos and our Broncos beat writer, Nikki Jabala. Nikki, thanks again for joining us. You bet. Thanks so much for having me. You can follow Nikki on Twitter at Nikki Jabala. That's N-I-C-K-I-J-H-A-B-V-A-L-A. And also, Check out our Broncos podcast, Mile High Magic. That's with Nikki and Michael Spencer. That's going to do it for us on this episode of Fantasy Football in 15. If you are not yet an Athletic subscriber, you can get a free 30-day trial at theathletic.com slash football in 15. For Nikki Jabvala, I'm Michael Beller. Fantasy Football in 15 will be back with you tomorrow. Have a great day. 